Uh, I'm just so glad that we're all here in this room when God's moving. And uh, tonight I just kind of want to, I'm going to deliver a little bit of a, a just kind of a, what I believe is a prophetic timely word uh, for for right now. Um, uh, in, in tonight especially, I, I just want you to gear your heart for the season that's out in front of you. Uh, to, to actually experience the strength of heaven in order uh, to walk in what God has for you. You notice I'm wearing my running shoes tonight. That was just in case I get some old Pentecostal fire and feel like running around the building. Because that's how it... That, listen, uh, uh, listen, at the end of every service... Uh, whether I am up or whether I am down, you know, is like based upon whether or not I'm preaching as good as uh, against the guy who gave it to me, which is the Holy Ghost. He's really hard to preach against. He's good to say what he's saying, but sometimes he's saying so much, uh, it's hard to keep up with. And so that's kind of how I feel tonight. I'm really full. I'm really full. I'm like 39 weeks full. I'm really full. That's really full. I'm pressing into transition. <laughs> feel like I'm about to give birth to something fresh and new. And uh, I, I hope that you are feeling that transition in your heart and spirit. I pray that regardless of where you are, um, that, that you would have the faith to believe that if you are down, there is a moment of deliverance that is about to bring you up. And if you have found yourself kind of going through the motions, there is actually a fire and a flame that is about to propel you into your destiny and into God's heart for you. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's so much going on in the next two months. I would just say, uh, hang on, it's going to be a hair fryer. You know, it's going to be awesome. The stuff that God does in these next couple of months, uh, you know, as we're, we're, we're kind of heading into Thanksgiving, you know, most people kind of level off. You know, they go into a season of gluttony. Come on. Y'all, some of y'all need to pray in the first keto Thanksgiving, okay? That's what some of y'all need to pray in. All right, y'all like, ooh, man, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd be real blessed. A lot of turkey on your plate. Um, and gravy, uh, keto gravy. All right, and uh, but we go into gluttony, we go into overspending, we go into all these things, and really in a season that was actually meant to be high holy days, do you understand that Thanksgiving in its root didn't just happen on one day, that it happened over and over and over and over again by proclamation of our government in response to days of prayer and fasting, and we would go into a day of prayer and fasting, there would be so much answered prayer that our government would say, hey, by the way, we have to declare another day of Thanksgiving. Then they would declare Thanksgiving and then they would run up on some more problems in a few days and they declare another day of prayer and fasting and then another day of Thanksgiving. So this day, it wasn't just supposed to be, man, I put on my pilgrim hat and I eat too much food and watch the Dallas Cowboys. I know, I know. Okay, or the Detroit Lions. Either one, neither one of those get excited. That's why everybody sleeps on Thanksgiving, okay? It's terrible football. Anyways, um, 
The truth be told, Thanksgiving was never supposed to be about that. It was literally supposed to be a celebration of all the answered prayer and breakthrough that God had brought. That's what it's about. We've kind of fashioned some of the other things that are connected to history to it. But over and over and over and over again, that's what it was. It was all in response to a move of God. And then we go into Christmas time and we spend too much. And some, sometimes we're so messed up over how much money we put on a credit card, we can't even think about the, the fact that joy came into the world. But I just want to tell you, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to position your heart in this next season and actually allow those things to just lose their grip on your life, just say, nope, not this year. Not this year. You'll see a strength come to you you did not know was available. I want to speak to you a message tonight out of Isaiah 40 called Renewed in Strength. Renewed in Strength. I heard this as I was praying with my, I was praying in the, in, in the vehicle. And the Lord began to remind me of this very familiar passage. And the danger of familiar passages is that you would actually be robbed of the power of that passage in the moment you need it because you're so familiar with it. Familiarity will actually, that, that act, you'll be robbed of, of power that's available to you even from uh, pastors and leaders. Sometimes you get so familiar with them that when they come to pray over you, you think it's just Otis or Dylan or Luke or Todd laying hand on you when actually it's actually a function of the gifts and callings of God that lays hands on you. And if you reduce us to just us and then we're just human and we are just human, we get up like everybody else and all the rest, but sometimes familiarity will rob you of the miracle that you need that's wrapped up in the person that Jesus wants to touch you through. Don't let familiarity rob you of anything in life, including familiarity with a verse. I'm telling you, I had such a confirmation. There was somebody uh, today uh, who went home to be with the Lord, and I went over to be with this family who used to be connected to this church. And uh, this, this, this gentleman actually used to serve with me in youth ministry uh, years ago. He's up in age, and he, he went home uh, he went home to be with the Lord, and, and so I, I went over there, and, um, and a, a, as I come in, and I'm, I'm, I'm just consoling his wife and meeting with another pastor that's there, uh, I look, and, and there, spread over the couch, is the verse that God's been talking to me about. And I'm like, all right, God, I guess this is a prophetic moment. Because the wife who was grieving said, uh, that's my favorite verse. I didn't know it. Known her for years and years. I didn't know this was her favorite verse. Well, I'm going to read you the passage that this verse is attached to. It's actually the last verse there. And that's probably the one that you're most familiar with. But I actually want to give you something from Isaiah 40 tonight that is going to help you be renewed in strength so that you can walk out this awakening and revival God wants to release in your life. I want you to turn to Isaiah 40. We're going to start in verse 27. Isaiah 40, verse 27. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you probably have a cell phone, and as long as you're not distracted by other apps or push notifications during the sermon, then you are allowed to use your e-Bible. I would suggest that you download a Bible and put it in airplane mode. That way you're not distracted. 
That way we can go to higher heights, just like on an airplane. Isaiah 40, verse 27, starts this way. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and, and my, just, my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable, his power, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fail, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. With wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm telling you, that's a right now word. I see something going all around the body. And I see pockets of troubling that's going on right now. People are wondering... Why are my prayers going unanswered? Because this is how this, 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 in the middle of this chapter, this comes out. He says, why are you saying this, Jacob? Why are you speaking this way, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. Why is my just request going unanswered? I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Let me give you the bad news. In Isaiah 40, God does not address either of those questions. And if that's been on your lips lately, God probably ain't answering you. And you may not like the answer that he gives you, but it's the answer that you need. If you want to be renewed in strength, first thing, write this down. Weakness springs from agreement with a lie. And when you say, my way is hidden from the Lord, that God doesn't see my issue, that God doesn't see my sickness, that my prayers don't get answered, you have actually tapped in to a source that is feeding you weakness. Agreement with a lie births weakness. Anytime that we do this, this is, this is what happens. Now, this is what they are saying. This is what they are saying. They're saying, listen, I don't know why I'm not getting breakthrough. I don't know why my cries aren't being heard. Here's what they don't know. They are. They are being heard. But because of their unbelief, they're not stepping into it. The atmosphere of Isaiah 40 in the beginning, which I'll address in just a moment. In the beginning, in the end, 
God is speaking, God is answering, God is moving, and this is what he says, that when, whenever you get into this place of saying, God, why don't you see my way? God, why, why is my just reply? He said, this is what you do. You start reaching for things you can manufacture to cope. In Isaiah 40, they actually reach for a log and make a carved image. And many times that's what we do too. When we get into a place of frustration, instead of pressing past the frustration, pressing into what God is actually saying and doing, what do we do? We reach for those things which would help us to cope. And what I want to say to you tonight is that church, God wants us to abandon our comforters for the comfort. He wants us to abandon those things which we lean upon, which literally are idols, which actually want our hearts to worship them. And then when we do, we become like them. The scripture says, having eyes not seeing and ears not hearing. You, when you worship things that cannot deliver in a time of personal crisis, you neither can see or hear. See, weakness starts by believing a lie. And I, my prayer is that every person here, regardless of, of whether your heart is very alive to Christ or, you're, or, man, you feel like you're on life support, if tonight each one of us would renounce the lies, strength would start to come. Because God is speaking. Matter of fact, he's thinking about you. The scriptures say, Psalms is so beautiful. He says, how vast the number of thoughts you think toward us. If we were to number them, they would be like the sand. Not just the sand in the desert. Not just the sand on the beach. All the sand on the whole planet. The whole planet is the number of God's thoughts towards you, his cares towards you, how much he's investing in you. He's saying, listen, I want you to just think about this for a minute. Have you ever been to the beach? And then at the end of the day, having not worn enough sunscreen, you go back and you get in your car. And then when you arrive home, you realize you have brought half the beach home with you. Why? Because you went into a place where there's an abundance of sand. And I want to just say, if you found your place, found yourself in a place of saying, why is my just cry? Why is God not thinking of me? You've actually ended up in a place with a whole lot of sand. With a whole lot of people who could actually hear what God's thinking about you. Which I pray that at the end of this service, that you won't leave without having someone lay hands on you and pray for you and release what God is saying over you. Because you need it. 
So God is, is uh, helping us to see what the weakness in us is connected to. What lies are we saying, you know, that our way is hidden from God, that just claims are passed over by God. How do we come out of it and begin to, to get renewed in strength according to Isaiah 40? It is lean on what you know and what you've heard. I love, I love what God says after they're complaining. He says, have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. He says this, have you not known and have you not heard? If you want to come out of a rut, how about this? If you want to come out of a grave, a dead place, you need to lean on what you know and what you've heard. What's, what is it? What, what, could I, what, what could I know? Here's what you need to know about God. God loves you and came to save you. He came to deliver you. He came to rescue you. And I love this. I love this. You've got to know about the character of God. This is how Isaiah 40 starts. And if any of you uh, have ever enjoyed Handel's Messiah and that great symphony, it's based on Isaiah 40. It starts with this, this great declaration. Isaiah 40, verse 1, he says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Come on, some of you need to know. You know, you got to lean on what you know. I have been pardoned. I have been pardoned. I know God is a saving God, a forgiving God, a merciful God, and a just God. So just that he would send his only son to pay a price I could not pay so that I could be the son that he always wanted. I mean, that's how you can think about your relationship with God. That's how far he went. I love this. I love this. And sometimes we're so super confused about the scripture. What does it mean when, when it says, for she has received from the Lord hand, Lord's hand double for all her sins? It sounds as if Jerusalem has gotten two spankings. <laughs> two punishments for her sin. Like she did it, she got one punishment for the sin. And then the next time around, God was just in a bad mood. So he whooped her again. She got double. This has nothing at all to do with that. This is what it has to do with. This is an Eastern tradition. This is what this is referring to in Isaiah 40. When a person was in debt... And they could not pay it. The one to whom the debt was owed 
would come with a writ and would nail the debt to their house publicly so that everyone walking by their house could see that family, that person was in debt to someone and could not pay it. So everybody would walk by and it would be like, why aren't they paying their debt? Oh, I feel terrible for them. Man, maybe they should work a little harder, perhaps using a little bit of shame. But when the one who was owed would put that up there, oftentimes someone in their family would come along and pull out the nail and double the paper. They would fold it on itself and nail it back to the house so that everybody who went by that house would know their debt has been paid in full. So when it says Jerusalem has received double, it meant a kinsman redeemer came, took the writ of debt against them, which all eternity had been nailed against her house, and one who was qualified and had more than enough grace to do it, took a nail. Took a nail. Folded the writ of requirements of the law in half, nailed it to the house, and declared, paid in full. I'm telling you, sometimes you need to lean on what you know. You need to go back in the midst of your circumstance, you're facing sickness, you're facing disease, you're facing trial, and you just need to go back and hear Jesus crinkling the paper and pounding the nail and say, my God is a saving, intervening God. When I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. And he is stepping into our lives in a fresh way so that we can look to what we know and also what we hear. You see, it's a little incomplete to just lean on what you know. You also need to do what the Israelites did. They told of God's wondrous works. They weren't just leaning on what they knew from Scripture. They would also lean on the story of testimony. Of how God had moved. What he had done. So when they gathered their, their kids every year at Passover, they are talking about an east wind blowing. And the Red Sea stands up in the heat. And our great, 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 great grandma and grandpa walked through on dry land. And those Egyptians who came in behind them, they all drowned. So not only did God set them free from Egypt, he drowned the Egyptians that were chasing them. So what were they doing? They were sharing, they were sharing the stories of miracles. They were sharing the testimony. They said, you know, you know, can you imagine a little child, a son, walks up to a dad and says, Dad, I'm thirsty. And he says, okay, here, here, son. 
Here's some water. We drew this from a well, but there was a time when our family was thirsty in a desert. Uh, they, they just talked to a rock. Daddy, what? What do you mean they talked to a rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses got real mad, been out of shape. It wasn't, didn't go good for him. He actually hit a rock one time. He didn't get everything that he was supposed to get, because it, but he hit the rock. Water came out of the rock. He's like, wait, wait, you're, you're telling me that God sent water out of a rock? That doesn't make sense. He goes, I know, but God's a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. See, I got to tell you that on a Wednesday night a few years ago, there was a young man condemned to a wheelchair who had actually gotten an H1N1 vaccination and it crippled him immediately. It, it, it attacked his spine. He could not walk. Young man named Christian, I picked him up in the van. Our van drivers would pick him up in his wheelchair, set him into the van, fold his wheelchair up and put it in to get him here. When he got here that night on a Wednesday night in a time where God was moving, all of a sudden there was a shaking in the room and that young man stood up abandoned the wheelchair went around this place went around this place and then we we were all celebrating we're all shouting we're all jumping and we look around all right man let's hear from christian where is he we lost christian why because he had been paralyzed for months and months he ran outside and did what any other uh, 11-year-old boy would do. He ran outside and for the first time in months picked up a basketball and started shooting a basketball. I don't know what better way to give thanks when you're 11 that God restored feeling in your body than to go grab a basketball. So we celebrated in here. We celebrated out there. And I actually drove him home and listened to his dad cry out from the front door, Sissy, our boy is walking. Our boy is walking. And listen, I want to tell you, he's a supernatural God. And the reason why God would say, why don't you tell the stories of, of the miracles is because when you give a testimony, it actually opens the door for God to do it again. I want to tell you, I've watched God heal brains. I've watched it. It scared me because I knew that little girl needed drugs. I knew that if I was going to survive the youth trip that she was on, she needed to be on drugs or that needed to be a miracle that just happened. I'm serious. Try youth ministry. It's awesome. And here we are in a moment where God comes and supernaturally touches brains. So the brain starts to function. And what happens is one family in this church that's still here today sent a broken daughter away in one moment in God's presence. The brain got healed by the power of God. And she came home and it's like God gave her a brand new daughter. I'm telling you. 
He's an awesome God. You need, if you are broken, if you feel like, man, I am down, I, why are my prayers not being answered? You need to go back to what you know and you need to start leaning on what you heard. I love that God right here in worship, right here, right in this area, healed spinal pain. I mean, right there, healed spinal pain, 18 years, right there, that God would touch a spine. Right there, right there, that God is a healer, that God would show up and in an exploded knee, that God would show up and heal. I'm telling you, God is a supernatural God, and we've got to lean on what we know about his character and tell of what we've heard. He's a supernatural God. When I saw you guys bringing in your baby, it reminded me of when Asher was much smaller and we carried him to a youth event. He was just a couple months old and he had been diagnosed with whooping cough. And here we are going, you know, what do we do? You know, his parents were carrying him. He's got whooping cough. And God says, I want you to go through a fire tunnel. Some of y'all don't even know what a fire tunnel is. Well, when you walk through a bunch of people who are on fire for God, that's a fire tunnel. And we took our son, who had already been given this diagnosis, whooping cough, and at his age, he was so small. Went through that fire tunnel, and in that fire tunnel, that time of prayer, laying on of hands, he was miraculously healed. Miraculously healed. I can tell you story after story. I was in a house in Citrus Hills. We were minding our own business, having our life group. Jesus showed up and said, I'm done with all of these glasses in the house. All these people wearing glasses in that group, God healed all of them but one. We're still believing for her. It's been like 15, a lot of years. <laughs> it's been a lot of years. But every person in that room got eyes healed except one. Are you kidding me? And what do we do? Honey, I lost my glasses. We just said, man, I can't see. My eyes are getting worse. What do we say? My just cry is going unheard. My just cry is going unheard. Instead of leaning on what we know and what we've heard. I could go on. I could go on. I laid, I did something. I don't know if I've told this story very much publicly. Told it personally to people about how. I got to pray for a woman who had been in a vegetative, uh, vegetative state for months and months, had fallen. The doctors had said she has been brain dead. Half of her brain has been dead for six months. This was in Citrus Memorial. And uh, I did not know her parents. Her parents, she had been in this condition in Boston. They paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to medically transport her down here where they were living. And through a mutual friend, they said, would you come and pray? And I said, yes, I will. 
And I went in there and I prayed the prayer. If you're ever sick, you're going to hear me show up with one spiritual, I'm telling you this, this verse, I use it every time. And until it breaks, I'm going to use it. God's word never breaks, by the way, just so you know. Isaiah 40, it stands forever. And I'm declaring Psalm 103 over her, nothing. I mean, it was nothing. God gave me a word for her parents who come from, um, let's just say, a more traditional Christian background. And then, as I'm finishing with them, God says, would you just do one more thing for me? I'm like, yeah, okay. And all of a sudden, I saw the picture of Elijah laying on a boy who was dead. And I'm like, oh, God. I don't know these people. And I really don't want to lay on this woman in the bed. But when you lean on what you know and what you've heard, you'll see God move. I'm like, what do I have to lose? The doctors have already said they've got to pull the plug. I'm like, I said, do you mind? Uh... I'm just going to pray over her one, like, I'm going to pray over her <laughs> one more time. And uh, they're like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, okay. And I literally, literally, she's laying in the bed, tubes, everything. I laid over her. I did not crawl on the bread. I laid over her like this and with my mouth near her ear, called her by name. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you come back. Come back. Come back. And when I stood up, she moved. And alarms started going off. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> And a nurse rushes in because it's ICU. And immediately pushes more medication and knocks her out. And I said, hey, it was great to meet you guys. I'll see you later. You know, because <laughs> I didn't want them asking, what, what was that last move you just did? <laughs> and, and so I walked out and I was with my uh, friend from here at church. And I said, uh, did that moment right before the drugs... Did that look brain dead to you? He goes, no, that didn't look brain dead to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what brain dead looks like if that looks like brain dead. So that looks like children in the morning trying to get out of bed. <laughs> it's just similar to brain dead. <laughs> and uh, literally, she goes on living for another seven days. So seven days, they allowed her to stay on life support. On the seventh day, the parents had given up all hope, and they removed life support, and, and they said, she'll only live minutes. And she kept breathing, and she kept breathing, and she kept breathing. 
And four minutes became 40 minutes, became four hours. And they said, well, we'll call hospice and we'll put her in hospice. And she'll be able to expire comfortably. And so they take her and they take her over to hospice. And her parents go home. And the next day, hospice called and said, um, why is your daughter in hospice? I said, well, she's dying. They said, no, no, she's talking. <laughs> and it was a long, long story. It was months and months. She's rehabbing and doing all the rest. That was Citrus Memorial. And what you've heard. What do you know about your God? And what have you heard? And if you would ever dare to say what God has done in your midst, in your life, and dare to open your mouth so someone else hears it, here's what happens. The word in Hebrew for testimony, it literally has this background meaning. Do it again. In ancient Hebrew, it's two letters. Ayin Dalet. Ayin looks like the eye. He's the God who sees. And Dalet is a door. That means this, this, these two letters in ancient Hebrew, when combined, said the God who sees opens the door to the same miracle over and over again when you tell it. You got to, if you want to come out and be strengthened, you've got to lean on what you know about God and you need to lean on what you have heard, what you have heard, the testimonies of God. You have a testimony and it's time that you open your mouth and start releasing that instead of whining and saying, why is my just complaint being overlooked? He says, don't you know who you're talking about? The God that neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't run out of energy. This is who you're talking about. And what you've heard about the works of God, it matters. It matters. That's why you don't want to be Playing around in a mud puddle of religion. Stop the nonsense. People playing church with a powerless God that does not exist. They go to church and they have this fan club thing that God is just not involved in. William Booth warned of it. He said, the greatest, the greatest fear I have is that there would be religion without the Holy Spirit. There would be a church without power. And those days are upon us. Why? Because what we've heard about God, oh, he doesn't do that anymore. Or he's a gamble. He's a hard rock casino God. Odds aren't in your favor. But just shoot some dice of prayer and see what turns up. Maybe you'll hit sevens. Oh, I'm healed. 
No, that's not God at all. Although that's sometimes how we think. No, God's a healer. You say, I wonder if God will save. God will save. God's a deliverer. But what you, what you hear matters. Let me go one step further. It's not in the notes, but this is just a word. And what you say matters. The power of life and death are in the tongue, and those who, those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. The power of life and death are in whose tongue? Not God's tongue, your tongue. So you get the words of life on your tongue, all of a sudden you're going to be eating the fruit of life. And you need to know this. Isaiah 40, verse 30 says, natural, advan natural advantages, they do not deliver. So stop worrying about somebody else who is maybe a little further ahead. You feel like they're smarter, they're prettier, they're more anointed, they're this, they're that. You know, this person, they got more advantages, they got this, they got the position, they got that. Stop all the nonsense. Natural advantages don't get you anywhere in the spirit. There is one thing that moves authority in the spirit, faithfulness to God, faithfulness to who he is and what he has said, saying, I'm going to stay faithful. I don't care what my gift set is. I wish there would be some people with the education of Smith Wigglesworth who would say, you know what? I'm not going to place faith in a PhD. I'm going to place faith in the B-I-B-L-E, and that will be what I read. That is what I'm going to take in, and all I'm going to do is raise about 18 people from the dead. That's what Smith Wigglesworth, and some of you, you know, God has placed his hand upon you, and you've got callings on your life, and you've got breakthrough ahead of you, and there are souls that are wrapped up in your life, but what you see and what you hear is like these circumstances are here. This sickness is knocking on my door. This brokenness is showing up in my kids. God, what do I do? You lean on what you know about God and what you've heard. It's not about your natural circumstances. Oh, if I had just gone to the right school, if I had just gone here or there. Listen, God will open doors no man can open. And God will allow you by his grace to sometimes run into a door you can't open. Anybody ever knock on one of those doors and grateful the thing behind it didn't come through? Oh, praise God. That's for another session. And I do want to say this, reaching for natural means in a time where you need deliverance is a plan for failure. I'm not talking about not going to a doctor or not, not, not following that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm like trying to be God of your life in a time where you need strengthening, where you try to figure it out in the natural. You'll be like, oh, I just need a vacation. You'll go on vacation and you'll come back worse. I love vacation, but don't leave Jesus at home. Don't put God on vacation. Why don't you take him with you? He loves the ocean. He loves mountains. He loves camouflage and sharp, shiny objects through animals that are delicious with garlic and butter. He loves all of it. I'm telling you, man, I'm 
feeling moved in this area right now. Uh, I'm telling you, take God with you. Don't reach for natural means to produce a spiritual end. Don't do that. He, why? Because it says youth will faint. It says youth will faint. Well, the youth shouldn't faint because they're young. The Isaiah 40 says, the youth will faint and be weary, and young men will utterly fall. It says, those who had natural advantages actually won't, won't attain what God wants for them. It's not about a natural advantage. It's about faith-filled waiting on the Lord that leads to a move of God. Waiting on the Lord, by the way, is not like lazy boy waiting. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like everything in Christianity has really become lazy boy. It's like I could just watch TV, church, don't even have to shower, shave, or most of all, be around people. Oh, I bless you with that truth. <laughs> Faith-filled waiting is actually taking a stance of anticipation filled with hope, filled with love, filled with faith that God's about to move in my life. And it has nothing to do with, with what I've got together in the natural. It has everything to do with God coming with his wind. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I love this. They will mount up on wings. Other, others said they will soar. Notice it does not say they will fly. It doesn't say they will fly. It says they will soar. Flying is effort. Soaring is catching a power and a lift that doesn't originate in your own strength. And it says, I'm going to wait in faith because I know the one that has called me, that has saved me, that has anointed me, that's filled me with his spirit. And I also have heard stories of what he does. So I'm waiting on that God. I'm not looking at my circumstances and saying I'm looked over. I'm not looking at my prayer list and it's just getting longer and say he doesn't hear me. Nope. I know my God hears my cry and whatever I pray in Jesus name according to his will I will have it if I have faith in God I will speak to a mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea and if I don't doubt in my heart but believe those things that I say I will have it so when I pray when I pray believe that I receive and I will have it and then a wind starts to blow that will carry you out of a rut of despair, of hopelessness. It will carry you out of the endless cycle that doesn't seem to break. All of the wind starts to carry you. And you start to go places you could never go on your own. And it says, and then he starts showing up and doing miracles in your life. Like you heard from 
in the past. It says, they run and don't grow weary. That don't make sense. Because everybody who runs eventually gets weary. Except these who are not running in their own strength. It says, they'll walk and not faint. Listen, there is a wind blowing across your life here tonight. There is a wind of the Spirit. And I would say, if you will jettison the weights of why and start spreading your arms out in the Spirit of who God is and what He has done, He will lift you by His Spirit into places that you cannot imagine. That's what God wants to do in this place.